0: Welcome, boys. Uh, before I get started, obviously, you know this isn't it, it, this isn't the usual podcast date. Usually, you get uh, the episode on t- uh, tomorrow, but uh, got a little bit of a situation going on tomorrow. Don't want to get into the specifics, but if you see my social media, you probably know by now. So, with that being said, we got the Monday podcast. It is still early for me. This is like 9 o'clock in the morning that I'm recording this. And I was up to at least 4 o'clock last night in prepared for today's episode. So beware with me, with me sounding exhausted recording this. But yeah. The weekend, of course, you know, we did obviously the podcast Friday. And let's just say that it, it was a pretty... Eventful weekend to say the very least. This is uh, like I said. It's it sucks. I wouldn't say it sucks because, like I said, the schedule has actually been perfect. For, like it's been like easy on my mental state rather than like since I've uh, revamped the schedule. But right now, like I have who, but I, I don't even know. I feel like I'm I'm with the playoffs specifically. I have missed so much. Like, everything feels outdated. Like since literally since Friday, Miami and Atlanta have split games, Phoenix and New Orleans have split games, Toronto won a game, Utah and Dallas are now tied up. Like everything that came from Friday's episode will not hold up because we eviscerated Rudy Gobert in the last episode with and he came back the day after the podcast and hit a, had a game winning dunk with to go along with a 17-15 double double. That's just an example. Like, I understand that, you know, the podcast, realistically, we have two, maybe three, three-day windows in the podcast. That is a lot when it comes to playoff basketball. Now, again, we was talking about how Brooklyn can come back in the series and Ben Simmons returning. And now since the podcast on Friday, Ben Simmons has said that he's not playing in game four. And the internet has absolutely eviscerated this man because of it. We will obviously we'll we'll probably start off with that. Just Boston, Brooklyn in general. And me and me and my boy and Ryan, of course, two Fridays ago did playoff predictions right before the play in game. or the last play in games. And obviously Brooklyn had already made it. So we were already we already knew Boston and Brooklyn was gonna happen. I believe I said Boston in seven, and he said Brooklyn in seven. Oh, my God. We look like idiots now. (laughs) Well, for starters, we were under the assumption that Ben Simmons was likely coming back in the middle of the playoffs. I don't know why we actually fell for that, because who comes back in the middle of the playoff series after missing a year like Ben Simmons? But that's not even the big part. Big part is social media. Yes, I understand Ben Simmons has his tendencies when it comes to being soft on the, on the floor, or even off the floor, when it comes to the media, et cetera, et cetera. I understand he has the mentality of being soft. I un- And I can understand where y'all come from when y'all say this. But the man is dealing with a herniated disc. Now, I'm not the biggest doctor in in the room. I'm not a doctor at all. Heck, I didn't even go to college. But a herniated disc is not something that you just, like, you rush back just for game four of the playoffs. Like, I'm not, again, I I 100% understand that we want to see him back on the floor, whether it's for our our own amusement, or just to see this man play basketball for the first time in a year, because he is an all-star. But... I'm not willing to watch him potentially risk a lot of, like, long-term damage. Because, again, at the end of the day, he's 25. So it's not like he's 24, 25 years old. He's around He's around there. It's not like he's, you know, 36 and has nothing to lose. He has another decade of basketball just off of pure IQ and, and defensive qualities. For, his entire, for the rest of his career. He has still has that. If he develops a shot, maybe even longer. But at the bare minimum probably has a, a decade left in the NBA just off of pure defense. Whether he makes $400 million or $25 million for the rest of his career, it's up to him. But realistically, he has the the qualifications to play another decade in the NBA. But and I don't want him to to risk it knowing that Brooklyn is about to lose this series. There's no way Brooklyn's coming back 3-0. As much as it could probably turn into a six-game series, maybe. I don't see this going seven, and I definitely don't see them winning this series. But to say like basically to be upset at the man for not coming back in this three oh series with his top guys already playing like hot garbage. And we will get to that in a little bit. I don't want him to potentially risk Having side effects of a herniated disc, just so you know, he can get his conditioning up, his NBA in game conditioning up. Knowing if Brooklyn loses, he's not going to get his in game conditioning up for another six months because he probably won't be playing a preseason game, probably won't even be playing like he probably won't even be going to hard training camp if I'm being honest. Like, he won't have physical contact for the next six months anyway. Why risk that in a one-game series that realistically does not matter in the end if Brooklyn wins or loses this series? That's just me. I have to. I had to get that off my chest with it for the internet because, like, <sighs> it sucks, bro. It's, it sucks that I have to see. I see this up and down my IG and Twitter timeline for at least six hours of people going at Benton especially Reggie Miller, which Reggie Miller in his in his own way is just corny, but it it he took he took it a bit too far on Twitter. <sighs> With that being said, the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets had one game since we've uh, been here and they played a night too. Potentially could be a sweep on Saturday. I will say this Nobody in their right, left, or central mind had Kevin Durant <laughs> struggling this bad in the playoffs. Yes, Kevin Durant is probably the, probably the best scorer of all You can argue being one of the best scorers of all time. I'm not here to tell you whether he is or is. That isn't, that's up 110% up to y'all. But I know for a fact, y'all did not have this man, Kevin Durant, struggling this bad. In his three to four, maybe five game stretch from end of regular season to this, you know, these first three games of this playoffs, maybe even will be four. Who knows? But it is pretty wild to, to think that Kevin, again, the greatest score we've seen, definitely seen in this generation, potentially ever, putting up 22, 5, and 5 on 36% shooting. And being down 03 in the first round of the playoffs. That is a more, honestly, that's more of a testament to the Boston Celtics defense. Which Robert Williams again was it was announced a little bit after the podcast, so of course you didn't get it in the podcast episode. But Robert Williams came back for the first time in was well, has was it's gotta have been a month at least, and he showed his defensive prowess. God, shout out to Jason Tatum on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about it with uh, Devin Booker at the beginning of the season where Devin Booker took a huge step on the defensive side of the ball, and boom, Phoenix is one of the best teams. It will have literally the best record in the NBA. We will get to the Phoenix Suns, too. Um, Jason Tatum, again, at the beginning of the season, wasn't necessarily a big stride hard on the defensive end. Wasn't really the best playmaker at the beginning of the season. Like I said, it looked like real Michael Porter Jr. energy with even him just shot-chucking. But around game 50, game 60, probably closer to 50, Tatum absolutely switched to a defensive side of the ball that I have not seen him do in the NBA. He definitely did it in college, but had not seen it in the NBA, and is doing this. Gordon, the best player in basketball. Granted, Marcus Smart has has done some. Uh, his the his uh definitely done his due diligence, especially with Kyrie Irving. Uh, Jalen Brown has definitely done his Al Horford. God, I feel like every other game we're giving Al Horford a shout out, even. Not putting up the numbers, but definitely just in impact alone has definitely shown why he was a very underrated pickup in offseason last year. Peyton Pritchard had a hot second quarter. So it was like, or definitely, basically first half in general, but definitely in the second quarter. Ten points in the first half. Didn't really get a whole lot of PT in the second half because a lot of that was going to the Stars. But just, like, the, the, this team... It this team feels different, and I don't know how to necessarily put that because, like I said, you can you can dial that up any sort of way you want, but it's just Brooklyn. Brooklyn had no match for the fact that for whatever this team threw at of, offensively or defensively, Tatum definitely had his uh he had a, a huge load on the offensive end. But Jalen Brown, definitely, he had his fair share. Marcus Smart had his fair share. Obviously, Peyton Pritchard in the first half. Daniel Tice quietly had a 9-6 a, a and six game in 17 minutes. But it's like you can't even like, – Brooklyn's bigs got tortured last night. Or I wouldn't say last. It was Saturday. Tortured. And I had never, ever seen such a, a – a, 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 Jesus, it's, I'm at a loss for words just how good Boston is. But it's it's weird that nobody from this Boston Celtics, there's no weaknesses to this team. Absolutely. They have this the scoring. They have the defense. They have the, the shooting in Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard. And except. They got the playmaking now with Tatum and Brown and Smart and even guys off the bench that can playmate, even though you know this only combined for four assists. And again this is with a, a a Robert Williams on limited minutes. This is a Al Horford that's again past basically past his prime, but is still a good a good enough defensive big man. But you again prime Jason Tatum right now. And again, it's not supposed to be prime Jason Tatum because he's only 23, 24 years old. But this is this looks like a championship team right now. And the way that Phoenix is low key crumbling and Miami is I mean they had they have the one loss to the, their record. I think Boston and Golden State are the last two teams that are three and right now. Unless I'm unless I'm not remember. I, yeah, I think they're literally the last two teams that are one. No, because Golden State just lost last night. So yeah, Bo- I think Boston's the only team that's 3-0 right now. And that's wild. That boss the Boston. Who knew that the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets would be the one series that nobody that that. Has an undefeated team, whether it was Boston or Brooklyn, we expected this series to go seven, and this could end in four. Literally, eleven hours from now, ten hours from now, that's just crazy to me. Next up, we'll probably we'll just get to the Miami Atlanta. They split series. Atlanta had a a a late comeback in the in the game against Miami. Trey Young absolutely took over. In that fourth quarter, I will absolutely give a shout-out to Bogdan Bogdanovich because he's been quietly Atlanta's best player in this series. I know it doesn't really amount up for much because it's a 3-1 series, but Bogdan Bogdanovich has absolutely been abs- been crazy in this series for Atlanta. And I, I just want to give him his props because, again, a lot of Atlanta shine will go to Trey Young, because, but and, right, and deservingly so. He's still an all-star point guard at the end of the day. But Bogdanovich and Gala, especially Gallinari, and again, I put it on Twitter. Shoot, it's been about a week at this point. But Gallinari has been so consistent for so long that people forget that this man was at one point touted the future of the New York Knicks. And then obviously was traded for Melo and that whole thing. And he had the crazy injuries in Denver. But it's like, I think once he kind of got out of that that shadow of the injuries, He's been quietly a, a very consistent player and I do what a consistent score, I should say because again the defensive stuff defensive stuff is definitely still there but just defensively it's or offensively he's definitely been one of the, quietly one of the more consistent scorers in the NBA and I just obviously want to give him a shout out too. Atlanta has some stuff to work out in the offseason because again this they're not winning this series let's be honest but I do want to they got some. They definitely have some stuff to address. Defensively, it's it's horrendous. Especially like outside of DeAndre Hunter, they have no defense in this rotation. Like I get Capella was a huge part of that, and I've, and unfortunately Capella is injured. But we got a lot of. There's a lot of stuff that has got to work out with the Atlanta Hawks if they want to even try to get back to the playoffs next year. Next year. Let's be honest. Cleveland's going to come back better. There's going to be a lot of teams in the East that's going to come back better next year, and they have to try to to match that pace. Otherwise, it's tough, tough sledding down there. It's tough sledding. Um, but yeah, uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee and Chicago. Milwaukee just dogged Chicago twice, one by thirty in the in uh in on the in the Friday game, and one by twenty four last uh, yesterday. Yeah, the series is over, and it is absolutely a pain to see Chicago go out th- out there uh, out this way. As uh, you know, we were I was obviously a Chicago mark early in the season when they were the first seed and Demar DeRosa was the MVP candidate. But yeah, this team <laughs> this team definitely slid. down. I, I want to see. I'm curious what they're going to be like next year, fully healthy. Obviously, Caruso went down in the last game, and that's kind of what's the end of that. But I want to see Caruso back. I want to see Londo back. I want to see, like I said, this team fully healthy with Zach back and maybe a, a rejuvenated Vucevic. Maybe if they if if they're able to flip uh, Vucevic for a bit a better big man, Miles Turner. Like this team would, I, I would be really interested in this team next year. That might just that might just be me though. Phoenix in New Orleans. Actually, no. We'll we'll say Phoenix, and New Orleans for the end because I think I think that's kind of that was that's one of the the wild, one be one the wild takes. Denver finally got a win. That's actually pretty exciting. Uh, definitely off the back of Jokic. Jokic absolutely carried in this game. But I will say, shout out to Monty Morris for twenty four. By the way, like because that was not in my cards last night. Honestly, a, a Monty Morris seventeen point game and Denver's losing this, getting swept in this series. So uh Monte Morris definitely definitely got his uh, gave his money's worth. Aaron Gordon has again quietly been uh, one of the better players to Denver this in this series. I mean not really saying a whole lot from this team but you know Aaron Gordon's still a good basketball player nonetheless and I really ever since basically ever since he got the Denver and towards the end of his Orlando run definitely turned into more of an all-around player instead of, you know, high high athletic dunker and defender he's actually been Quietly, a actually a really good basketball player, and that turnaround has been amazing. But again, he had twenty one last night. Boogie, a Cous- Boogie Cousins siding, Any anytime Boogie Cousins is a decent enough game, it gets me happy because it's like I remember a time when he was the best center in basketball, and it was not close. Because <laughs> again, Dwight Howard had probably he had he had hit his peak at that point, and he was sort of downhill in Houston and all of that. But yeah, Boogie, like I said, it's always fun to see a Boogie Cousins. A uh, comeback game, if you will. Like I said, go Golden State last night. By the way, like I said, a Jordan a uh, a good Matt uh, monte Morris game and a bad Jordan Pool game, or an below average Jordan Pool game. I should say. And this is still only a five point Nuggets win. So like the Nuggets don't have any or have zero reason to rest in the series. I do see this potentially just being a, a gentleman sweep and Golden State getting the win on, two, was it Tuesday or Wednesday that they play? I think it's Tuesday. But, yeah. I'm really trying to avoid this Phoenix-New Orleans game. Minnesota and Memphis. Oh, boy, I got a lot to talk about Minnesota and Memphis. Um, first of all, what is up with Minnesota winning games where women like to protest at, at the at their games? I believe, I believe thought I thought it was just a home game thing, but, no, they did it in game one in Memphis, too. So I understand why, you know, more power to you, but it is just funny that Minnesota is 3-0 in the in the games where like they have fans protest at their games. But back to the actual game, Carl Anthony Towns must have listened to the podcast. Um <laughs> because I said that this man needs to be more aggressive, and that was a god-awful performance by him. And he came back and he, I think he dropped like ten points after he got injured late in the fourth. But finished with th- uh thirty three and fourteen. Oh boy, um, Jordan McLaughlin also deserves a shout out. I remember first time I watched Jordan McLaughlin play, he uh, was still playing in the G League at that point, point. and I was like, how? Well, first technically first time I watched a play was in college, but first time like I got to see him live was in a G League game, and I was like, why isn't he on the NBA roster? Because he has. He has such a feel for the game. It's like it's weird that he doesn't. He doesn't have an NBA job, and then I believe that same season he got called up by Minnesota. Like he actually, I think he got to end up getting a two-way contract and then transition into a, a a main roster contract. But it's like there was no way he should have been in the G League at that point. Like he he was looked like a NBA ready point guard just off of mechanics alone. But Carl Anthony Towns, again, I will say, cat. Players do, I feel like players listen to this podcast because every time I call a player out for having a bad game, this one, I definitely would call out Jaron Jackson Jr. for having a bad game. Good Lord. He hit the three in the corner in the fourth quarter, but outside of that, he did nothing. He did nothing. I will, Ja Morant too. Shout out to the 15 assists, but it's like, even Ja shot horrendously. Shout out to Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, especially, good Lord, in the first half. Desmond Bain in the second half was like he, you could tell he was tired, he was cold, and his like I said, his shot was not there. But in the first half, Desmond Bain absolutely was hooping. Tyus Jones tried his best to keep Memphis in the game. And by the way, by the way, Memphis, I will say Memphis tried their best though. Memphis tried their best. Like I said, you could tell this game was over with about a minute, minute and a half left. Memphis tried and hit the three at the end, obviously. It didn't count, it didn't really matter, but Tyus Jones. What I tell you, I thought that Tyus Jones shot was going in at the end, bro. Literally. I was all right. So I was in the middle, I was texting in the middle of the game with my boy Jacai, because like I said, we he was on the road, but he was still sort of following the game. But he was like. Yo, who's winning right now? And I told him, the, I think at the time I texted him, Memphis is up one. Colin Thitty Towns is going to the free throw line. And literally, as I, or I was like, no, I was like, I was like, I typed Minnesota was up with four and a half left. And literally, as I sent that text, that's when Carl Anthony Towns went down. I was like, Jesus Christ, don't let Cat be injured as soon as I send this text. <laughs> and then he gets up, he hits the free throws. And I think the next possession, he has Kyle, uh, Kyle Anderson on him. And he's he got he's got him face up, and I'm like, is Cat gonna drive on Kyle Anderson? Like I would I would assume he would drive because he getting you know a whole slow mo thing, but it's like there's no way he actually is going at him, right? And then he he doesn't dribble at all. He just pulls up for the shot. And I'm like, is Cat good? And then he hits the shot. And I'm like, mm, I guess he is good. Cat, like say, something about cat getting injured is just is gonna it it fuels him in a way because it's like he don't care no more. But it's like I would. It was just a wild. First, of all, this game was just. Wild. This series has been wild for all of the right and wrong reasons. This series has been wild. Fans running onto the court. Patrick Beverly being loud as ever. Cat having to every other game. He's just. He's good, and then he's got off for a couple games, and then he comes back and he's the best center in basketball all of a sudden. Like it's 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 a wild thing with Carlton D. Towns. And again, people's like translation that's inconsistency. Your all star center is inconsistent. That's not good. Anthony Edwards definitely came back in his game too. I was like, I really, I really want that one D'Angelo Russell game. Like we've had the Carlton V Towns game, we've had the we had the Anthony Edwards game in game one. But I want that D'Angelo Russell game where Delo just goes off. Like I said, delo has been high key quiet in this, in this series, been hikey quiet this season. But if we get that one D'Angelo Russell game where he just goes off for like 35 or whatever, win or lose, I just want him to go off, I'd be a happy man because, like I said, D'Lo is quietly one of my favorite point guards in the NBA. But Patrick Beverly is the real deal to this Timberwolves team. And again, a lot of his, he, again, like most of the guys, did a lot of his scoring in the first half. But there's he has this different aura around him when when he's on the floor and Minnesota is at their peak. He seems like an MVP. He's an MVP guy without putting up MVP numbers. And I think it's a shame that like he doesn't put up the MVP numbers because I feel like he'd get more love. If He was putting up the good, putting up like the 17, or no, I'm not saying it's MVP numbers, but if he was putting up the 17, 5, and 2 every single game, like I feel like he'd get that a lot more recognition. But you know, he's your typical 11 points or three rounds for this guy, so he doesn't get like a lot of love because people just think he is he's doing too much. But in reality, Patrick Beverly means more to the St. Bulls team than you could ever imagine. And he again, it showed last, it showed with. A lot of defensive plays that Anthony, uh, got, uh, that Cat made. Or Jared Vanderbilt. God, Jared Vanderbilt was all over the floor for the Timberwolves in this game. And really un- low-key underrated move that Timberwolves picked up Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley. Because, again, Malik Beasley did not play well last night. Didn't even play a whole lot of minutes of him, being honest with you. But, like, just, the, like, these two. Well, this is. Two nights ago, Jesus, <laughs> I keep saying last night as if these games happened last night, but in reality, this was on Saturday. Last again, we will get into last night, I promise y'all. But the Minnesota and and a uh, Memphis game. Pro, this series definitely has been my favorite series so far. A, it's a it's a competitive series. B, you have all like all of the antics, all everything that makes the NBA fun. And C, classic performances, good and bad. From both sides, and that is—that's all you really want from ba- from basketball: competitive, classic performances, and all the antics that make it fun. And this series is all of it. Now, we have finally gotten to this point: Phoenix and New Orleans. How do I? How do I put this? Um, Phoenix definitely misses Devin Booker. I think that's a given at this point. Phoenix absolutely misses Devin Booker. Phoenix is trying their hardest taking advantage of the fact that the uh that is a defensive nightmare, or his his defense is a nightmare for the Pelicans. But his offense is just as good. If if he's is just as good as his defense is bad, and (sighs) it definitely showed in the fourth quarter. I will say that it showed in the fourth quarter. I'm curious as to how New Orleans does this lineup in the future, because, like I said, Valanciunas absolutely deserves to play a lot of minutes. Okay, my bad, y'all. Uh, somebody called me, but yeah, Valanciunas absolutely deserves to play a lot of minutes, and and but at the same time, like, do you sacrifice the, the again? They ended up sacrificing Jackson Hayes last night because. Despite Jackson Hayes now playing, he did his two points was probably the most exciting two points uh before the fourth quarter with that, that uh that crazy dunk that I believe it was an A and one that he missed the free throw on. But uh Valentunas in the fourth quarter was he turned into Prime Hakeem Elijah last night. And I don't know why. Like literally in the fourth quarter, because I, I was like, I really want Phoenix to win this game without Devin Booker, so people shut up about Devin Booker being an MVP candidate. Chris Paul absolutely struggled last night. I would not. Nah, all right. Before all of that, I would like to give my shout outs to Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado. Because defensively, and again, I questioned the defense in this team for the longest time. I was like, Herb Jones has to play all 48 minutes for this team to be a competent defensive team. But Jose Alvarado, since he's gotten PT, is absolutely crazy in a good way. For and again for two reasons. Number one, Jose Alvarado has is it's come quite literally out of nowhere. And I don't and again, I like I say, we there's the meme of him getting this deal from behind, which he got last night on Chris Paul. He even said Chris Paul is on my list to do uh list of dudes to do that too, and he absolutely got Chris Paul. <laughs> but and you can even see Chris Chris Paul's facial expression because it's like Chris Paul was visibly upset after the steal. God, he even for, he forced the eight second violation on Chris Paul. He got uh, Herb Jones blocked three three pointers in the fourth quarter. I one was just absolutely crazy. I believe it was Landry Shamit that shot it, but he and he like and again I was kind of upset that he didn't get like get the the full rebound and end up going off his like he blocked it. Tried to go get, go for the rebound, mistimed it, and end up getting uh it like it ended up going off his knee and going out of bounds. But it's like that Herb Jones is crazy on the defensive end. And um it's wild that these are rookies doing this against a Hall of Fame point guard at Chris Paul. Whether you believe, whether you want to believe it or not, Hall of Fame point guard Chris Paul got strapped up by Jose Alvarado. <laughs> Again, and it's wild that. Again, Brandon Ingram did not score in the in the fourth quarter for the Pelicans. All thirty of his points came in the third quarter. Obviously, we talked about Valanciunas in the fourth quarter was absolute dog. CJ hit like a uh, he, he hit a three that ended up uh, closing the game out. Herb Jones had a couple fast break layups, but like I said, the offensively it was Valentunas and defensively it was Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado. And I don't even know how and again. How did, where did this come? From? Where did this Pelicans team come from, bro? Like, obviously, like I said, they made a lot of moves and honestly made the team a whole lot better. But it is still wild to me that even in the the little, in the smallest margin of, of error, like <laughs> to get into the playoffs, granted, the Lakers had to be god awful also for them to get into the playoffs. But the smallest margin of error after they traded for CJ to get into the playoffs, and they did. And now they're two wins away from upsetting the Phoenix Suns team. That right now, they're I don't think they're getting Devin Booker back for the rest of the series, so they have to get Chris Paul performances twice. I'm not sure how comfortable I am with uh. I'm gonna comfortable might not be the word, but I don't I don't know how confident I am getting back to back thirty point fifteen 15-assist games from Chris Paul to beat this Pelicans team, especially the way that they just they just put Chris Paul in jail last night. I don't know, man. Like I said, I for for Phoenix's sake and for my own sake because again I had this Suns team winning a championship this year. For our sakes, I hope Chris Paul does have the the Chris Paul game that we absolutely want. But I think reality sets in. Like the Pelicans are, may they may actually upset. It's either that or one of Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Landry Shamet, Cameron Payne, or even Cam Johnson. One of those five guys have to have a good game. Mikael Bridges last night pretty disappointing. If I'm being honest, uh, Jay, like I said, Mikael Bridges, if anything, you're going to get good defensive performance out of him. Brandon Ingram absolutely had him and Cam Johnson both in the toilet last night. He took him to the cup at will. Same Same thing with, like I said, Cam Johnson. He had an okay game last night. I will say that he had an okay offensive game. Shooting was bad, but at least he got his numbers. I need the efficiency to go from Cam Johnson. He's gonna be taking he's gonna be taking half the Devin Booker shots. He needs to at least give at bare minimum half the Devin Booker perform uh, performance, maybe even over half, if I'm being honest. You gotta be more efficient. Landry Shaman, he's kind of the guy that's gonna be taking a lot of the shooting the uh, shooting responsibilities with him and Cam Johnson now that Devin Booker's out. He's gotta be better. Same with campaign. Cameron Payne has been god awful shooting the three in this series. He's been like what, over thirteen, I believe it is from three pointer. He's got to be better, bro. Javale McGee and Deandre Ayton is the two bigs in the in, in game. Is absolutely have absolutely taken over, and I do appreciate that. But like they need to get better performances from the on the perimeter. Because again, if you're not going to bring it offensively, at least bring it defensively. And Brandon Ingram, CJ, McCollum, Herb Jones have literally dogged them this entire series. And it's it's a shame, bro, that Phoenix has. To, it's it's a shame that Phoenix is, and even in this situation, like I said, Devin Booker's injury it sucks. Like I get that, but there's no reason that y'all should be losing to the ninth seed Pelicans right now, or tied. But realistically, this this is them losing this series. There is no reason. <laughs> I think that's about all that we've uh. Can discuss or that we have discussed. We do have a few games on tonight where uh we got Boston and Brooklyn, a potential sweep there. I see this probably going five, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I say Brooklyn probably gets that KD performance and then it goes down to the wire in game five where Boston pulls it out. Raptors Philly likely ends tonight also. Joel Embiid, I think, has one of his performances. And he just he they I think they escaped, but I think this does in The Sixers win. Jazz Mavericks is too close to call at this point. Mavericks won. Uh, Mavericks won without Luca, and have lost without Luca or with Luca. Sorry, Rudy Gobert, uh, game winner plus Dwight Powell missed free throws. Ends ends this game. Like I said, uh, and I said this in real time watching this game. It's kind of ironic that Utah uh, wins with Donovan Mitchell passing to Rudy Gobert after the, you've seen it to death, where Donovan Mitchell averages two passes a game to Rudy Gobert. But it, like I said, it, it it's it's poetic, it, to say the, the very least. And I'm glad that we finally get some some closure on this Utah Jazz situation, where potentially whether if win or lose, this team is probably done for in the offseason. season. But if anything else, we get some, uh, we get a competitive series out of it. Donovan Mitchell versus Luka Doncic offensively is a series that I like to watch. So, hopefully, this I, I they're at home, so I'll, I'll pick Dallas. But it's like, it's like I said, this series has been too close to call so far this year, this this year, and I kind of again that's U- every Utah Jazz series though. It's every Utah Jazz series is too close to call, and then they ended up winning it in seven or losing it in seven and it, it i i hate it i hate it cuz again i want this team to, to fail so badly but realistically they just keep holding on to the very end and i i genuinely do hate it i do think that's uh, yeah i think we can call it there actually like this again uh, not, again it's hard talking about it to 3 day period like i said we've we've only taken two days off granted like i said three days worth of games but reality, we've only taken two days off and like I said, it's gonna be a lot. We'll be definitely. We'll definitely be back Friday. When, like I said, no matter what happens tomorrow, we will be back Friday. And yeah, like I said, we'll probably. I think every series except for is the Phoenix New Orleans. I think will be the only series that I know for a fact won't don't have a. It ch- doesn't have a chance to be done. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's the only series. That doesn't have the potential to, oh no that that one in uh, Dallas and Utah are the only games that don't have a potential to be over like I said, because Boston could end it tonight. uh the other games the yeah Philly could end it tonight. Minnesota could potentially I think Minnesota Minnesota oh no, all right, so yeah, we come back Friday, obviously. Minnesota and Memphis, I think, is the only series that cannot be done by then. Minnesota and Memphis literally get their game sixes on Friday. So, potentially, that's the only series that could potentially be done that might not be done. So, there'll be plenty to talk about on Friday. If nothing less, like if New Orleans beats uh, Phoenix twice between uh, like on Tuesday and on Thursday, and we talk about the Suns getting upset in the first round. There will be plenty to discuss. But yeah, man, like I said, we can we can close that out. Um, I did get a couple questions about when potentially pog pods will be coming back. I don't know. Like I said, I might be doing like part twos of some episodes that we didn't finish. Of course, like I said, if we're if we are doing pog pods, chances are pog pods will be back over the summer. Because, again, this is a very heavy basketball time, obviously. Because, like I said, basketball is on 24-7 at this point. But sometime, maybe between the end of the finals and before the draft, we'll probably see a return of Pog Pods. Maybe even... Probably closer to, like, end of July. Like I said, basketball is going to be on 24-7. So, like I said, you can... You can bank on a lot of basketball episodes and not a lot of whole whole uh pog episodes. Like I said, that's kind of my reason why PogPods haven't been back. But definitely we'll be getting pop pods in the summer. And again, you might not even get to hear the mobile pod. You might not even get to hear like all the boys talk about pog pod. If Definitely hear the boys talk about basketball pod. Because again, that that's gonna be kind of crazy. Is uh us on the basketball pod together. Man, that's that does sound actually crazy to me. Cause like I said we're all gonna be in the, in Virginia for the summer, so it's like, shoot, why not? Just like I said, hang with the boys, get out a couple episodes in. Probably this these are probably gonna bl- like blow blow. Like last two episodes, well two, two episodes ago. So last Tuesday's episode, the weekend in review. That one blew like crazy. And I was like, there's no way that many views actually happened on that episode of the podcast. But it did, and it was kind of wild. Same thing with uh, the episode with Orion. I didn't know that episode was going to blow as much as it did, but it, it really blew up. Apparently, a lot of people like playoff predictions. So, yeah, man. Uh, it's kind of weird giving a, a random outro to this one. But like, like I said, it's it's been a... It's been a while it's been a wild playoffs and we're only in the first round. So like I said, we're gonna be getting a lot more uh, a lot more acclimated to uh, my playoff takes, rankings, et cetera, et cetera, Predictions. Well oh yes, Narayan did confirm it with me, by the way. We will be back, like I said, and it'll get, shoot, it might be Friday, you never know. Friday it might be we might do second round. It may be Tuesday. It may or Monday. I don't know. It'll probably be Monday. We might have to do another Monday episode next week. Just like for playoff predictions or second round predictions. Cause like I said, Ryan did confirm with me that he will be do He'll be back for his second round uh, predictions. But I don't know <laughs> if we'll have a second round by Monday or Tuesday. If it's on if it starts Tuesday, we'll do it on Monday. If it starts Monday, well, well, whenever every series is complete, the day after will be when we start doing the predictions. See, so yeah, man. Like, I say, if we, uh, if you missed the previous hundred and eight episodes of the podcast at this point, uh, you check about on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and of course, right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Goodbye.